Welcome to the Off Duty On Duty Podcast, episode number 76. I'm your host, Brian E. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners and we tackle them from the perspective of concealed carriers and cops. Give you both angles of discussion today. I'm going to be joined by the the host of the Firearm Trainers Podcast, Rob Beckman. Uh, another great podcast on the ConcealedCarry.com network. And we're going to talk our thoughts on constitutional carry from, uh, you know, the cop perspective and the, uh, you know, the armed citizen perspective. But first, message from our sponsors, EDC Belt Company Foundation Belt. Get them at edcbeltco.com and CCW Safe. Save 10% off your membership by entering code OFFDUTY10 at checkout. That's an important one, guys. They're the most comprehensive coverage team, and they are the by far the most experienced team in the industry. All right. If you're interested in uh, sponsoring the podcast, get a hold of me. Um, you can send it through the uh, the website, the contact form on the website, and I'll put you in. I'll put your people in contact with my people. How about that? Uh, so. Got back from TACCON last week's episode, did a little uh, roundtable with Haney McMood, and uh, yeah, we taught a little backup gun class. I helped him out with that and got to uh, wax intellectual about all things backup guns. So that's episode 75. Go back and check that out. Wanted to throw a quick shout out to uh, Michael Burgess. Yeah, my brother, Michael Burgess. He uh, went to Detroit to uh, coach and mentor... Uh, some instructors up there that are uh, part of a youth shooting program. So, uh, you know, Michael and Sarah at Range Therapy out in North Carolina doing uh, doing some great work in Michigan for our friends uh, uh, <laughs> that we met at the Guardian Con- Conference. So, uh, thanks you guys too, and thanks for thanks for passing on that knowledge to the next generation. He had some. Uh, some very junior shooters there and uh, really happy for them. So, anywho, let's bring in our guest, Rob Beckman. All right, our guest is here, but I forgot in the pre-show to mention, you got to sign up for the Guardian Conference. Link's in the show notes. Uh, this year's conference is going to be, uh, man, it's going to be as great as it was last year. Probably, maybe a little better, you know? I mean, like, you know, it's a learning curve with all that stuff and, the link to sign up and I think the early bird pricing is still up. So get in while you can and also sign up for the concealed carry podcast giveaway last week. They gave away, uh, the, the dry fire card system. I think it's dry fire card system. Uh, a guy named Rob of all things, uh, one, won that, and, uh, you got to sign up weekly to be eligible. And, uh, as always, like I said, links in the show notes, and Rob, you're with us. We're, 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 you're unmuted. You're, you're live. Great. Happy to be back. Got, <laughs> I know got, it's been got, a while. Got some new questions for you. <laughs> Beckman's got questions. Volume three. Now, <laughs> now you did pitch a topic that keeps coming up, uh, pretty frequently and which is constitutional carry. Yeah. And, and as I was telling you the pre-show probably the last four weeks, I've had a lot of instructors around the Ohio region that I've, that I've talked to, listen to the podcast, do different things like that, contact me because first it was um, Ohio that went constitutional carry um, about three weeks ago. And then Indiana went uh, 10 days later. And then just last week we had Georgia go and the instructors were talking, you know, were thinking, you know, their business is going to dry up. And I uh, corrected them on that and the need for, you know, thinking about it more broadly because uh, constitutional carry is, is, you know, everybody's right. Um, in, in my opinion, but from an instructor standpoint, we also have, have, we also have a great ability to go along and show people their responsibilities, uh, under it. And that's where I, you know, wanted to pitch the idea for you about talking about constitutional carry and make sure people kind of get a better view of what constitutional carry is and what, what it is not. Yeah. And I, the best, the absolute best argument I have heard for it, uh, was 
And I don't know that he came up with it, but my, my dear friend, Tyler Miller over at Wilshire gun club, we were talking about it when it launched here in Oklahoma, uh, in like 2015 ish is about the time we passed it. Uh, but his argument was if you require a permit process, you exclude the most vulnerable portion of society. And I thought, you know, elaborate on that. He says, well, if you go to lower income areas, that area of, you know, or that sector of the city, whatever you want to call it, that demographic is like 10 times more likely to be a victim of violent crime. So now for them to carry a gun, they have to go through a government permit process. And he's like, it really just tears at the very like found the founding of the country. It's like, you know, everyone's equal under the law. And he says, you know, concealed carry mandates are, are just inherently prohibitive to people that don't, that are not of means. And, Mm -hmm. and I thought that is probably the best argument I have heard for, for constitutional carry ever. Um, you know, we, we can talk all about, well, education and this, that, and the other, but you know, I mean, if, if I'm a person of very modest means taking a weekend that I may be trying to pick up an extra shift at work to have to go expend ammo and pay a fee and then pay a licensing fee and a fingerprinting fee and all these things. And it, it, it adds up to three or $400. Well, mm-hmm. that may be the difference in me making a car payment you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or house payment. So, and, and keep one thing in mind, because this is one of the things that really, really highlighted, I think in my mind, because I think education is important. You know, everybody you know, should be educated, but during the pandemic, during those lockdowns, during all those times, the government who was, who were the gatekeepers for licenses were going along and saying, no, we're not going to issue licenses right now. You know, it's, it's too dangerous for us to have people come in and apply for licenses or, you know, instead of it, instead of us issuing licenses in 30 days, it's going to take us six months. And those are things to where in the middle of a pandemic, you know, civil unrest, different things like that. You don't go along. It's like, okay, we have a civil unrest scheduled for 45 days from now. So I better start, um, you know, get, getting my, my license. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, this, you know, all of a sudden, you know, things kind of go down the toilet and you go along, you know, how am I going to protect myself? How am I going to protect, you know, my, my family? And that's where, like you said, if you're a modest means where you're trying to, you're going from paycheck to paycheck and you're trying to, okay, do this week, do I, you know, do I spend money on formula on food for the kids or do I, you know, try to save a little bit and, you know, three, 400 bucks, you know, probably is on the bottom of your list, you know, when it, when it goes along and you are, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, balance that budget every week and, you know, losing a couple of chefs on a weekend because you can't, you know, work, work in the factory or work at the restaurant where, wherever you're doing, you know, it can make a big difference. And that's one of the things, um, you know, you put the financial pressure on it. And then at the same time, um, waiting on the, waiting on the government to go along and do things. Um, I know here in Ohio, uh, we had to go along and, and get some legislative pressure on the sheriff's because they were actually going along, taking longer than they're allowed 45 days due to the pandemic. And as much as everybody can understand that, uh, you know, things had to change because of the pandemic, keep one thing in mind, the people that are applying for it are people that see a need or, or one have the ability to carry, but now under with constitutional carry, they, they don't have to ask for government um, approval to go along and do things as long as they're a law abiding uh, citizen. Yeah. And I don't like the idea of the, the government being the gatekeepers to really anything, because if they can keep the gate, they can lock it. Yeah. And well, it's kind of like you go look in uh, uh, California and that's a may issue state uh, for the sheriffs. And they've got lawsuits because of how they, um, uh, how they go along and issue them or who they actually uh, issue them to. Um, uh, I forget where, where, uh, Circle and Valley is, which County, but that sheriff is under in a lot of hot water right now, because apparently they don't issue 
any uh, concealed carry permits, but somehow there's a whole bunch of people at Apple that um, have concealed carry permits and they just, and the County just happens to have gotten a whole lot of donations from, from Apple. And it's like, what, what's so special about an Apple employee versus the rest of the population? Yeah. You know, they all have families and they all have, you know, their own worries, but somehow Apple is get preferential treatment when it comes to uh, getting their employees uh, concealed carry permits. Yeah. So you 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 pitched a question, uh, the the first question on your list, and we'll we'll try to get through all of them. Um, do you want to read it, or you want me to? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up with them. From the law enforcement perspective, um, what do you see the big differences between having a concealed carry permit uh, versus uh, concealed carry? Well, for for the uh, card carrying badge holders of the world. You know, we've got HR 218, uh, which there are a couple of states that are not even friendly on that. Uh, one of them you mentioned previously, uh, and it, it, it makes it restrictive for us to travel to states. And, uh, you know, I had uh, my good friend Daryl Bulky. He's like, you know, California, you're not going to have a problem with a standard capacity magazine. You're not going to have a problem carrying hollow point ammunition until you use it. And then, you know, okay, yeah, you're authorized to carry here, but we don't allow, you know, lead-based ammunition with X, Y, and Z. And you were carrying a standard capacity magazine, and we have a 10-round restriction, and you're not on duty. So that's what a motivated prosecutor would do, right? Uh, mm-hmm. is, is jam you with some legal loophole that they can use in their favor. But as far as uh, traveling in free America – most cops don't worry about it, right? We badge, gun, credentials, done. Um, maybe New York is is a big exception. New York, New Jersey, <laughs> stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, the coasts are the exceptions, right? Um, but a concealed carry permit holder, um, you you know the reciprocity stuff. That's a that's a big benefit that they have versus constitutional carry where other states may not even recognize it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if there's, if, and, and I can speak from Oklahoma, the big motivation to get concealed carry permits here, even though it's a constitutional carry state is for travel uh, because of the reciprocity factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you would uh, walk up on somebody on a, on a vehicle, you need to stop them for, going through red light or speeding mm-hmm. or something else like that. Um, what goes through your mind? Cause I, I know here in Ohio, if we've got a concealed carry permit, it automatically comes up on the MDT for the officer in their patrol car that says, Hey, you know, they're a permit holder, which automatically gives them the, you know, a warning that, Hey, they might be armed from that perspective. Um, but if, obviously if it's like a constitutional carry, you're not going to have that warning from a, during a, during a traffic stop, um, how does that differ from your perspective? No, none, zero. Um, mm-hmm. You know, every encounter with somebody, there's a gun there. Every single one, every time. And Hanny and I mentioned that before in the the previous podcast. As a as a cop, every time you encounter somebody, there's a gun there. It may be my gun right now, but it might be your gun in a few seconds. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. So you you approach it the same way you always did. Um, mm-hmm. There is some legal language that uh, that inhibits the police here a bit. You know, we, we now that there's constitutional carry, if you're carrying a firearm, we can't really say anything unless we can articulate a reason why we need to secure that or you know, run a line of questioning at you about that. Uh, so, but really as far as like the caution, like the officer safety precautions, mm-hmm. there's always a gun everywhere we go. So it doesn't well, really change. And the one thing I've always told people that are like, you know, what about officer safety is every officer's got to approach a traffic stop or any, anybody they're going to stop the same way because there could be bad guys are known to carry guns and they obviously are not going to go along and be law abiding because they're bad guys. So, you know, how, how does, does that differ? I mean, as I've heard, uh, 
you know, told me before, we're going to treat everybody the same until you prove otherwise. And that's one of those things that um, once you realize everybody's the same, that, um, you know, constitutional carry versus having a permit, you know, doesn't really change much for the police because they're still going to have to look at you and like, okay, you know, if you were, if you were doing, you know, five over the speed limit, that's one thing. If you were doing 50 over a speed limit, that's a whole nother thing to where they're probably going to go along and have a little bit more lengthier conversation with you, try to figure out why you're driving so fast, you know, all those, all those types of uh, questions that would happen no matter what. Yeah. And in, in those cases, a lot of states have uh, statutory language that if you exceed a certain speed over the speed limit, uh, it's an immediately arrestable offense. Mm-hmm. So then there's really no need to discuss it. You know, you're lucky if, uh, you get a ticket and get to leave with a court date, you know, without getting your car towed and, and, uh, your, your, your body towed to the jail, you know? So mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. Hey, what's your, what's your, um, recommendation for constitutional carry citizens that are out there before they, they start carrying and you need to get like, uh, you, you need to get an undergraduate degree in the state statutes and city ordinances. Um, that's, that's the big one because most of the people that I have seen that violated some piece of that, um, have done it, uh, it with a degree of ignorance. Um, you know, I happened to be in a, a, in an eating establishment one night and there was a guy sitting at the bar with a Kimber 1911, he had his mags on backwards, which kind of bothered me. Uh, but you know, I could tell he wasn't in the know just by the way he had his gear set up, you know, uh, I won't bag on his gun too much, but I could, uh, but either way he was setting at the bar and I, I said, Hey, I don't mean to be rude, man, but you know, uh, the constitutional carry and open carry thing here, uh, all it would take is somebody calling in and you're probably going to go to jail. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what are you a cop? And I was like, not right now. I'm not, but, uh, and we, we, it was a friendly exchange, but, but I gave him the, the courtesy of going, Hey, uh, when you walk into this area that says no one under 21, you can't be in here with a gun exposed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, Oh man, I didn't know that. And I said, that that was obvious by your you know yeah. and that and that's in contrast to like ohio where he can be sitting at the bar sitting in the areas as long as he's not uh, as long as he's not consuming alcohol right and that's one of those things where knowing the law is is you know you know is extremely in your favor because you know ignorance of law is no excuse as they say yeah we we had a kind of a I won't say it was high profile, but we, we had a gentleman that was, uh, a two, a 2A auditor and, uh, you know, where you go to get the job application to be a two, a auditor, you, you know, where that you do that, right? It's your imagination. It's not a real thing. Right. Well, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, he walked into an establishment and they asked him several times. They're like, Hey, you can set out on the patio. You can set anywhere outside will serve you food, whatever you want, but you can't be in the building, uh, because of the statute. And he decided he was going to test that. And when he did, uh, it, it did not play out well in his favor. So, you know, get educated on the, the laws is, is the big one. Well, here's a big one in Ohio that people don't really realize. It was about four years ago that they allowed uh, concealed carrier holders to be in school zones, uh, dropping off the kids, picking up their kids and allowable to go along and lock up their firearms in a car. And, you know, that was that was a, a big win. The challenge comes into a constitutional carry is you got to realize that this that the state law says that only con- only concealed carry holders can do that. Even right. if you're legally, you know, carrying from a constitutional uh, carry standpoint, you're not allowed to have a gun in a school zone. And it, it was brought up that even uh, under Leosa for uh, retired law enforcement under HB 418, that's not a concealed carry permit. So they weren't even allowed to go along and drop off their, their kids, pick up their kids, you know, leave something locked up in the car because the statute says specifically concealed carry permit. Yeah. And. That the the Leosa you know HR two eighteen 
there is there is so much ambiguity around surrounding that, and mm-hmm. I think the only reason that that has not been challenged is most cops that are going to carry off duty are going to conceal their firearm. They're and and, conce- and conceal it well, and, so. and they do it well, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. For the most part, I mean, there is exceptions to everything, but. But I think that's the reason we haven't seen any real legal challenges about that is, um, you know, to hearken the language of Bill Clinton, don't ask, don't tell. Right. But Mm -hmm. uh, and not that I'm condoning anything that's illegal, but the flip side of it is, you know, a cop that's dropping junior off to school before, you know, two hours before his shift or whatever that carries a carries a firearm. You're never going to know it. And what if they get pulled over? Well, what's going to happen? Oh, hey, Bill, how are you today? Uh, mm-hmm. Dropping the kid off. Yep. All right. Have it, you know, see you at four. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. kind of a thing, right? So as long as they're in the same area. You know, right. It's when, it, they, it's when they leave, leave the area and they're in another state or another county that might might get a little bit more dice here for them. It could. and But but there again, it's it's one of those things that I just I haven't seen any real challenges to it because nobody's been caught and Mm -hmm. does that make it right well that's a moral ethical decision you've got to make on your own right well in ohio the one one thing that's nice is if you're retired military retired law enforcement you're actually able to get a free concealed carry permit uh and that's one of those things where it's like okay just you know as i recommend just go get the free carry permit and then you don't even have to worry about any question if you if you happen to get that brand new rookie that's trying to make a name for himself or doing, or, you know, you're in another jurisdiction that they don't know who you are. Um, you can get around it. Yeah. And I know lots of retired cops that have concealed carry permits as well. Cause you know, if one, if one's good, 10's better, right? Like, <laughs> so that's what we say about guns, right? Right. It's N plus one <laughs> and watches and guitars. And yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Ammo. I've got my own thoughts about this, but what's your thoughts as far as concealed carry recommendation? Because here's here's the one thing where where my mind's going on this. You don't people probably don't want to go along and whip out their Glock and stick it in their waistband or their um, revolver and you know stick it stick it down their pants uh, type of thing. They probably want to go with a, something a little bit better than that. And you know, from a concealed carry. Per, uh, permit they go through a class you know they can see equipment but from a constitutional carry they may not see what a good um holster looks like or what a good gun belt would look like you know those types of things what's your what's your recommendation for the constitutional carry holders out there well some of that tends to be a self-correcting problem um you know several of the several of the gunshot victims i worked were self-induced because they were trying to conceal carry without a holster Mm -hmm. Uh, and paid dearly for it. Uh, But uh, my recommendation, man, and I hate, (laughs) I hate, I I love and hate that we have so much um, information at our fingertips with our phones now. So for me, you know, YouTube, there are three or four people that I really, I kind of tune into when it comes to concealed carry gear. Um, you know, John and Sarah up at, uh, Filster mm-hmm. and the Langdons, Ernest and Amy, they have a new, yeah. a new thing called LTT discover. And, uh, they pay me $0. Uh, this is just total shameless plug just because they, one, they're friends of mine. And two, they put out really good information, they have a whole YouTube video series that them and the Hopmans and several other people did just on how to carry a firearm and different holster options and things like that. Um, Mick from carry trainer, uh, yep. Mick shook. Mickey he's, shook. Yeah. He's yep. a friend of mine. Um, and he does, he does some really good, really basic, quick videos on, Hey, look, this is a holster brand that I've used and, this is how I carry it. And here's some considerations. And as long as you, you know, you eat the wheat and or you separate the wheat from the chaff, which can be a real hard thing to do. Um, but you know, peep guests that you've had on your podcast, the concealed carry podcast, my podcast, uh, 
those are the kind of people that are in the know. And if you Google them or you Google their YouTube, their videos mm-hmm. or whatever, you can find a lot of good information. It's, you know, but there are several out there that I'm, I kind of cringe when I watch. So <laughs> definitely. And the one thing I would go on and say too, when it comes to carry recommendations is, you know, for those people out there, expect that you're going to go along, start off with something, you know, a belt, a holster, a mag, a mag uh, pouch that seems good. And then six months to a year, you're going to come across something that looks a little better, or you're going to change guns. You're going to end up to, just like Brian and me, where you've got a whole box of holsters. You've got you know several different belts that you that you've gone through this uh, evolutionary phase to where you are today. And I'll tell you quite frankly, probably in two years, I'll probably be carrying some something a little bit different um, right. for it. That's just the way it goes. Yep. And uh, I, I have a dear friend, Chris, that you know, his first big training event, he'd been to one of my open enrollments, but his first big training event was the, uh, the guardian conference last year. And when he bought his first handgun, I said, get ready. And he said, what? Cause he got really committed really quick. And I said, the gun's the cheap part, man, the ammo and the holsters will eat a hole in your budget, <laughs> bud. <laughs> so yeah, you buy the gun once you buy all that other stuff a dozen times, but, but, there, but there's a lot of good gear out there now. So mm-hmm. compared to 15, 20 years ago, yeah, do, do your research and, and it'll help you out. Next question for you, for the constitutional carriers, what's your recommendation from a notifying law enforcement? Um, you want to get pulled over a traffic stop, something like that. It, Oklahoma's rules are a little different. You're not obligated to notify them unless you get out of the car. I mean, there's, there's some things that there's some gray areas there. Um, my thoughts on it are kind of, you know, if it's a simple traffic violation and the statute does not require you to disclose that, why make an issue of it? Now, some jurisdictions, the, uh, like here in Oklahoma, the highway patrol, a lot of times will have you come back to their car and, uh, I I've been stopped by him before. And one of the first things I do is go, Hey bud, I'm not getting in your car until I tell you, you know, with my hands kind of in a very neutral position, Mm -hmm. uh, I am carrying a firearm. So I'm not going to sit down next to you in your car and have you see that. And the world comes unglued. Um, and most of the time that, that, that can kind of diffuse the situation, but my take on it is if it's not an issue, don't make it an issue. And if it is an issue for your state, make it an issue as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's where education comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one of the things that's really nice in Ohio with our constitutional carrier that goes into effect on uh, June 13th is they took away the requirement for promptly notifying because yeah. the legislature finally understood that going along saying promptly did not have a time limit on it. And that created a whole bunch of different issues uh, for, you know, when it, when is promptly, you know, do you yeah. cut the officer off? You know, do you do it within the first minute? Do, you know, how, how do you do, do that? And what, what constitutes, you know, notifying, handing them a concealed carry permit, or do you have to go along and, uh, you know, as a lawyer said, incriminate yourself and t- tell the officer, you know, that you're carrying and work and everything along with that. Right. Um, and, and I've recommended for years, and this is just my, my personal practice is, you know, as a law enforcement officer or a concealed carry permit holder, you keep that permit behind your driver's license. If it's the size of your driver's license. And when you get the inevitable, I need to see your license, proof of insurance, vehicle registration, et cetera. You just hand all that over in a, you know, in a stack. And when they go, and if you reach for, if it's in your wallet, right behind your driver's license, it's not offensive, right? You don't have to go, mm-hmm. Hey, my concealed carry permit is over here by my gun. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You hand that to them and, and immediately it's right it's, there all at one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Um, some, something that uh, will kick this around a little bit, but um, cause, uh, constitutional carriers, some things that they need to uh, be aware of. If they've ever gotten a felony, they can't carry unless they get that expunged for it. If if you can't pass a NICS check, you can't constitutional carry. (laughs) That's kind of, kind of the way I look at That's the easiest way to really look at it is if, if you go fill out a 4473 and it gets rejected, 
probably not in your best interest to go carry a, a firearm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing I always warn people about is, you know, even if they've had, you know, some misdemeanors, um, depending upon, you know, where you're from and different things like that might preclude you, you know, one of the big misdemeanors is uh, domestic violence and, you know, something, you know, for older person that might've been, uh, just, uh, you know, worked out, um, no contest in, um, in, in the seventies, uh, even, even though that, you know, didn't end up with any jail time or anything else like that. Um, here in the 2022, guess what? You still are not allowed unless you get that expunged, sealed, um, all those kind of legal things. And if you've got questions specifically on it, you know, that's where you got to pay a lawyer because yeah. neither you nor I are given legal advice when it comes to that. No, the victims protection orders, you know, when that, that whole thing started in the, uh, and I know there's, there's been some legislative moves to try to prevent it, but, uh, you know, back in the day, the attorney technique was you're getting divorced, go file a VPO. Cause then they got to leave you alone. And, mm-hmm. and there was a period of time where they didn't review those very carefully. I mean, the judicial system didn't, and they were handing them out to every single person and boom, in an instant, you have lost your ability to carry a firearm. And, mm-hmm. So that's something you got to be cognizant of, you know, if you went through a nasty domestic, you know, whatever domestic uh, quarrel in divorce court that could mm-hmm. potentially haunt you. So, yep. Okay. What's your, what's your thoughts when it comes to, uh, you know, on the 4473, they ask you about, you know, drug, drug abuse. And one of the big things that, you know, I go along or, you know, drug abuse, people think about, you know, okay, I've got crack, I've got, you know, cocaine, fentanyl, things like that. But what about marijuana? You know, if I get a medical, uh, medical, uh, medical marijuana card, um, you know, how does that play into it? Man, that, that has become a real hot button states rights issue. Uh, mm-hmm. like Oklahoma within, Oh, within like six, eight months of passing medical marijuana, um, which for those of you that think that's a very left issue, uh, Oklahoma, every County was red last election and it passed through the legislature and the ballot issue with flying colors. So (laughs) I tell, (laughs) I tell a lot of the hipster kids, I'm like, the reason you got a medical marijuana card is that you know, the conservative right that you're hating on, (laughs) they passed that. So you're welcome. But, Mm -hmm. uh, aside from that, like I looked at it and went, wait a minute under federal law, this is still a crime. And, uh, I look at it. It's a state's rights issue, but it's way above my pay grade. Um, exactly. I don't necessarily have an issue with it as far as if, if you're not under the influence, what, what does it really amount to? I mean, it's uh, just like alcohol, you know, if you're yeah. under the influence, the, you know, the, yeah, the, don't carry, you know, be smart about it. Right. And, uh, my personal opinion is <laughs> I'm going to throw this. It might be a little controversial, Rob, but, uh, I would much rather if somebody had to handle a gun, I would much rather than be under the influence of marijuana than alcohol. Cause I have seen people do really, really stupid stuff. Uh, you know, with the old, uh, Brown loud mouth as my, uh, great uncle called it. But the flip side of that is, you know, I mean, you gotta use your, use a little common sense. Uh, I did see where the legislature Capitol Hill, uh, they have a bill to decriminalize marijuana at the federal level. And if that happens, well, they, they they passed that through the house and so now it's sitting in the Senate yeah. and uh, we'll have to see, see where, where that goes. Well, I, I, I predict that it's got a very good chance of passing just based on the revenues that the States have seen with the passage of, of uh, the, you know, decriminalizing marijuana. And, and, you know, I don't have as much of a heartache with the, the marijuana thing is a lot of people might think with from coming from a law enforcement background, I, I never really had much concern for the end user. I was always more concerned with the guy that was illegally carrying a firearm and, you know, thousands of dollars in, you know, illegal drug money and scales and stuff like that. You know, that tended mm-hmm. to be your little more violent criminal populace. Um, the potential at least was there and they were rarely the end user. So, 
the end users never really caused all that much of a problem, so to speak. I mean, of course, traffic laws, but I mean, DUI laws are DUI laws, whether you're under the influence of prescription meds or, or alcohol, so, or marijuana. So I never really took a, a huge issue with it when they said, well, we're going to go to medical marijuana in Oklahoma. Like, okay. Yeah. Moving on. Although it's, although it's one of those things, again, education, because, you know, what might fly in Ohio or Oklahoma may not fly if you're exactly. in North Dakota or you're down in Florida or something else like that. And that's where, you know, get educated, make sure you know where you're going and, uh, you know, what, what their laws are, you know, from the state level. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, education is king in that regard. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. Uh, um, I know we t- touched on this a little bit already, but what's your, what's your top three reasons why a constitutional carry person should think about getting a, uh, concealed carry permit, the actual, you know, card carrying, uh, you know, plastic. Well, number one is reciprocity, uh, reciprocity mm-hmm. with other States, even some States that are, I won't say unfriendly, but, uh, maybe they recognize your state's concealed carry permit. Um, you know, there was a long time that Oklahoma recognized Texas, but Texas didn't recognize Oklahoma. So, and, and, you know, a lot of that's been rectified, but there are some places that, uh, you know, Arizona, for example, for years was just constitutional carry state and it didn't matter traveling through whatever. Uh, you know, I made the joke the first time I went to Arizona was when you cross the New Mexico, Arizona border on I 40, they'd stop you and say, are you carrying a gun? No. Would you like to borrow one for your stay? You know, (laughs) but, um, Mm -hmm. but, but there, it wasn't shocking to the conscience of the populace. It was just part of life. Right. Um, so reciprocity is a big one for me Mm -hmm. because there are some States that, you know, may recognize your concealed carry permit that. And if you go to the class and you download the concealed carry app, concealed carry, uh, com's gun tools app, uh, mm-hmm. y- you can tell in an instant. Um, and, yeah. and that's kind of a shameless plug, but I tell you as a cop, I use that almost every week. I tell people yeah. ask me concealed carry questions and here it is. Well, I, I can, I can just, I, I'm looking at the map right now. And if you were going to Texas to Arizona, you got to pass through New Mexico. Yeah, And you can either go along and unload when you hit the border or you can go along and have a piece of plastic so you can carry, you know, seamlessly there. And the other thing I've pointed out to uh, people sometimes, all constitutional carry is not created equal Too um, North Dakota is one of those states that I know they recognize it for their citizens. They do not rec- recognize it for non- non-residents um, for it. And that's that's one of those uh also educational things that you need, need to make sure you understand what, you know, what do they recognize? Where do they recognize it at? All those types of things for, in order for you not to, uh, you know, potentially spend the night, you know, in jail trying to figure out how, you, how, you know, what lawyer you want to call. Right. I would much. And when we got the, uh, the in-service training on constitutional carry, it was mind boggling to hear, well, if someone comes here from Arizona and if they, but if they're leave North Dakota, you're like, most average cops are not going to study the book to the degree that they are going to be familiar with every single thing their state recognizes or doesn't. Um, Mm -hmm. However, if you have a concealed carry permit, you are going to shorten the length of time that you are going to be engaged with that particular police officer. You, You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, well, I've referred to it as it's a, it's a good guy card. You know, I've gone through safety training, you know, I know the law and, you know, when you hand it to them, you know, you might not like, you know, government issued piece of plastic, but at the same time, from a police officer standpoint is it's like, I have, you know, nobody, nobody who gives me a piece of plastic. I do, I have problems with, and that's where the, it ends up being a good guy card. Can be. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other uh, questions for you. Um, what kind of resources do you recommend to the, for the uh, cons- uh, constitutional carrier? Since we're talking about, you know, the uh, concealed carry uh, gun tools app and things like that, whether any other uh, resources that they should consider. 
Well, since we already mentioned that one, that one is is huge. I, I really uh, it, it's, that and it's, it's well con- put together. It is and of it's information convenient. Um, the other one I, I like Andrew Branca. I mean, he's in like uh, I, I wouldn't say like he's a close friend of mine or anything, but you know we're acquaintances. Um, I really like the law of self defense. Uh, I've been to a couple of his briefings and they're very mm-hmm. well articulated. That's a great resource. Um, it, you know, it, CCW safe and they do sponsor the podcast and I'm, I'm tight with all those guys. They are constantly publishing articles that are, uh, relevant and, mm-hmm. you know, they have a, an email signup. You can get their, their podcast links and their, their, uh, there are articles from several legal minds that are much greater legal minds than mine. Yeah. Um, and that's important to go along and have a constant stream of information because we've touched on it a couple of times, how the law changes. And when it comes to firearms, they change not from, not only from state to state, but sometimes County to County that you have to be aware of. And then you get into, you know, some of the national cases and it's, it's good to follow those cases and hear in the legal explanation about, well, this one, you know, they were able to be found innocent because of this and this, and these, um, in this case, these people went along and ended up, you know, serving time for this and this case. And when you go along and start looking at that and saying, well, this one I would expect, Oh no, I didn't understand that that's the way the law, you know, looks at somebody who is armed versus somebody who's unarmed, you know, those, those type of uh, questions. And it's, and it's helpful being on some kind of uh, resource list, either Andrew Bronco's uh, law of self-defense and uh, you know, the CCW safe um, list also. Yeah. And if you, if you want to know how rapidly it changes, if you've ever had a conversation with Jacob Paulson, <laughs> when he's talking about the, uh, the app and updating and, Oh man, we're tracking this, that, and the other, we got to input all that data and you know, but, uh, and and we do kind of make light of it. Uh, the education part is really, really, really important. And, uh, you know, I'll hearken back to my, my good friend, Daryl bulky, when he says, you know, when you carry a firearm, you're taking the responsibility on for taking human life and everywhere in the free United States, taking a human life is called murder right it is the highest Mm -hmm. punishable crime in uh, there is no other crime that is as high a stakes as that right you are looking for a statutory exemption to that if you have to deploy or apply lethal force so it behooves you it is in your best interest to be intimately familiar with how the law works in regard to that and, uh, you know, I think when you frame it in that context, it, it really starts to become, uh, you start to understand the gravity of the responsibility you take on when you, when you put a firearm on, right. Mm-hmm. M- most definitely. And, you know, you go along and, you know, the causing the, uh, somebody's death is uh, considered homicide right the you know when you get down to it you know what you're hoping for is that they will see it as a justifiable homicide that you had no other choice yeah. if they don't find it that way because of specific issues guess what you're going to end up seeing the inside of courtroom and you know see the inside of jail cell for quite a while and one of the things that go along and i remind my instructors all the time about is that the general public you know, probably 80, 90% of what they think they know about guns comes from movies, comes from watching TV, comes, comes from listening to, to the politicians. And we all know that that's just completely BS. And that's where it's our responsibility and ability to go along and educate them. So they understand how, what the safe handling of a firearm is, how to go along and not only, uh, you know, carry a firearm safely, but how can they go along and safely uh, defend themselves and their family? Because at the end of the day, as I go along, tell all my students, you know, concealed carry is not about going along and getting, getting rid of the bad guys in the world. What the concealed carry is all about, constitutional or, or with the permit, it's about going along and seeing another day and being there for your family. And as long as you've got that mindset, you'll, you'll probably, you will, you know, make good decisions. If you're trying to go along and be John Wayne or, or trying to go along, clean up the uh, criminal element out there, you're going to make a mistake. And unfortunately you're going to, you're going to end up paying for it. Yeah. You're, you're going <laughs> to, I tell people 
you're just hoping there's statutory language that exempts you from the charge of murder. Mm -hmm. Education. How many times we've said that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, one of those things when it comes to uh, recommendations, what kind of uh, ammo should the constitutional carry or any concealed carrier uh, carry? Well, I, I get this one surprisingly often, you know, people will, will inbox me in Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. Um, I like to use the, the barometer for me is the DOJ NIJ testing. I mean, they publish that like every year it's open source. It, it, it mm -hmm. takes a little, you kind of got to go through the Googles a little bit to find it. <clears throat> but the other part of that is look at what the FBI carries. Look at what your local law enforcement carries. Look at what, uh, you know, the contract ammo that the department, you know, Department of Justice purchases every year. Oh, we, you know, and it will typically fall into the parameters of, you know, they've done all the testing. They've done all the, they've, they've done all the research. You don't, you don't need to go out and shoot that into gel and four layer denim and all that. It's fascinating mm -hmm. to do it on stuff. That's not published on that, uh, that particular uh, standardized testing, but I, I try to stay along those lines and I can tell you there are two that are there almost every year and that's federal HST 124 and 147 and spear gold dot 124 and 147. Those, those two are there almost every single testing year or those that's actually four, but, um, that they just, they're like a constant. It's like, oh, well, mm -hmm. it, you're almost looking at it like, well, where did they rank this year, you know? And that's that's pretty much what I stick to. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I take that back. I carry, I do carry some Remington Golden Saber. That was the last purchased issued ammo, and it was on the, the, the approved list. The 147 grain was. And uh, I'm a big fan of 147 grain 9mm. Um I mean, I know a lot of people like 124 plus P and all this different stuff, but, but that ammunition, it, it's just a constant fixture on the DOJ and IJ list. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And you'll pay, you'll pay more for it, you know, for having, you know, good hollow point ammunition. But I think from a defensibility standpoint, what I, what I, you know, refer to that as is, is, you know, why were you carrying, you know, spear gold dot? Because the the you know Department of Justice um, you know went went along and um, you know put it on their list the FBI carries it. I mean, when you can go along and do something like that, it sounds a lot better than going along and saying, "Well, I'm just carrying it because it was the cheapest thing on the rack." And they bring out that it wasn't necessarily hollow point. You know, it was full metal jacket. And you didn't realize it, mm -hmm. and you had over penetration because. Put it this way. You know, you might be fine with uh, going along and shooting the bad guy, but it's everybody else that it's around that you're going to be uh, potentially on the hook for also. And just don't make the mistake of using, um, you know, full metal jacket ammo because that's going to punch a hole through one in one side and out and out the other. And that's one of those things from a say it again, education standpoint that constitutional carriers are responsible for know and understand because if they hurt somebody else, it doesn't matter, you know, what what's your intent bad guy it's uh gonna go along and say okay you injured this person you you know broke this store window or you know caused you know caused damage to this car and we all know those things uh have dollar signs behind them and that can get very very costly yep every uh <laughs> i had an old range master every round you fire has got about five attorneys attached to it so mm -hmm. um gets real expensive real fast but uh but yeah I, th I don't think you'd ever go wrong with doj nij approved ammo um you know in lieu of like zombie apocalypse then hey all bets are off right but but whatever mm -hmm. so yep definitely definitely well hey brian that's that's all the questions i got on constitutional carry i'll keep uh, noodling and come up with another topic uh in another couple months because i'm with Everything that's going on in firearms these days, I'm sure we'll have uh, another topic where I can come up with, you know, 10 questions uh, for you again that we can talk about. Wow, was that 10? That went fast. 
Uh, that one that went really fast, but we dove back and forth, back and forth, talking about education and you know recommendations for for the constitutional carry. And I'll throw this out for anybody who's going along and shaking their head when it comes to uh, you know why would any state uh, go along and allow constitutional carry? Is when you go along and look at the states that have it: um, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Arizona. Georgia, welcome there, to the club, yeah, kids. Yeah, but there's no pre, there is no difference between the um, accidents that they have firearm wise uh, versus whether they're licensed or unlicensed, and that's one of those things where you go along and you realize that maybe it's not the education that prevents it, but people having you know having a sound mind and a level head that's more important than than just uh, you know making sure they all go through the class because I don't know of a single state that has a a quality training program that I wouldn't recommend those students. Okay. As soon as you do the state required, go out and take a couple more classes, uh, you know, come to the guardian nation conference, you know, something along those lines, because that's where you, the rubber really hits the road and you really realize, okay, this is what I got to do. This is how I move and shoot. This is how I go along and get that you know, quick shot off, but at the same time, train the brain to be able to recognize when's the, when's the proper situation there to stand and fight. And when's the, when's the opportunity comes up to, you know, get out of Dodge. Exactly. And I'll sum it up. My top three things for constitutional carriers, education, education, education. (laughs) (laughs) Ditto for on my side too. All right. Thanks, Rob Beckman. Constitutional carry. Hot button topic. reminder if you haven't check out today's sponsors edc belt company edcbeltco.com and ccw safe 10 percent off for off-duty tenant checkout guardian conference right around the corner forgot it right out of the gate isn't that awesome uh yeah sign up man links in the show notes early bird pricing was still going on as of the recording of this podcast um and uh the concealed carry podcast giveaway giving away lots of cool gear if you haven't, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, which most of you by now probably have, but if you haven't, tell all your friends, sign up on Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We're on like all the major platforms now. It's pretty slick. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting. LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.